look at that, a tasty chestnut to get us into the show. Nice call. That was that was your call. That's right. Romeo Void. Who remembers that? A girl <laughs> in trouble is a temporary thing, and that fits perfectly with this week's podcast. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club podcast, and uh, we're from madwolf.com, by the way. Hope you check it out for all your movie reviews and other tidbits, but uh, here every week we have fun with a special emphasis on the horror genre. We've got a special guest today. We've had him before. He was our senior Aussie correspondent, but that's up for grabs now. Welcome, Corey Metcalf. Hey, Corey. Hello. It's great to be back. Well, we're glad to have you, but now you've put in, to for a name change, you, you would like to be known as the senior slasher correspondent. I could be the senior Aussie slasher correspondent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let it be written, so let it be done. All right, welcome. We know before, we've had you on before, and we've guested on uh, on Triple Cast, which we, which we are uh, appreciative uh, to get a chance to do that. We've talked about slashers a lot. That's kind of your, your niche. You love the slashers. Yeah, I kind of grew up on the slashers, so it's kind of my realm of horror. Well, that's great. That's why you're here, because uh, today we are talking about the best final girls to go along with that opening song, A Girl in Trouble. There's lots of girls in trouble here, but they make it all the way to the end. They're the top final girls. Yeah, and we did some fuzzy math for this one because uh, there were six, and I considered uh, dropping on one off, but but I'm gonna. She was. She's great. She's amazing, and she's also Australian. So I think that was really the push over the cliff. Good call. One for the homeland, and we'll. Uh, <laughs> that's where we'll start. Fuzzy math. We've got the top six, top five, and we'll start with a movie from 2011. The final girl is Aaron from Your Next. Why would anybody do this? They've been watching us for days. wasn't a random attack. All right, you're next. Man, you know, I saw this movie only one time when it was in theaters. I haven't returned to it. I really should, because Shani Vincent, who who plays Aaron, is Australian, and I'm she is just so badass in this movie. She is badass, very much so, and we have to see it again as well because we saw it on the big screen. And I got to be honest, we were not blown away by it. But since then, so many people have shown love for this movie. We, we really should revisit it as well. But that doesn't take anything away from the fact that she is a great final girl. She is. There are so many things that uh, are going great with this character, you know, because uh, she's she's one of the very few people in this house who aren't part of the family. And and what I think I love about this character is that she's just roundly underestimated by everybody in there. And one of the reasons that that happens is that her boyfriend, spoiler alert, uh, is one of the bad guys. Right. But he's also they let us know a professor and she's one of his former students. So you kind of think. He might be sort of a dick anyway. <laughs> so it's just interesting to me that he clearly doesn't know the first thing about her background, because once that is unveiled, you like the bad guys, all look at each other like, oh, we're in trouble right now because she's got a big number of, of excellent traps up her sleeve. And it's just awesome to watch the way that she just rounds everybody up and tells them how they're going to survive and you know the booby traps that she sets up and she's she's so savvy through the whole movie and yeah an absolute badass oh it's a great thing about this character is that for the whole movie everybody is just so 
against her. Just everybody hates her. The whole family hate her and everything. And then you think, okay, well, at least the boyfriend loves her. I mean, he has to. He's the boyfriend. But no, he's the worst guy of all. And everybody just underestimates her the whole time. Yeah, and what I love is when she really gets into knocking off these guys, the looks on the faces of everybody else. Because, you know, uh, at least a couple of times, she doesn't stop when they're clearly incapacitated. No, it's more hits and more stabs until she's into it, man. It's just, and I, I mean, again, I love the, all the booby traps. And you're right, though, the faces of, because that's, it, when you don't realize yet what's going on, I mean, that's your clue, is that everybody should be sort of super happy. And instead, some of them are looking at each other like, oh, my God, we are in trouble. <laughs> it reminds me of those YouTube videos you see. It's a, a video of somebody hurting themselves in whatever way. And then it pauses right at that moment and says, at this moment, they realize they effed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other thing about her, even though she's, you know, she is athletic looking, she's fit, she's still kind of small. Right. So you don't expect that kind of, you know, bad acidness against these bigger, bigger guys, bigger intruders, but she goes all, all ninja on them. And, and also, uh, Barbara Crampton's in this movie, and so that just gives it an extra added bonus awesomeness. Yeah, and I guess the thing I didn't really love about the entire movie, um, I, I thought it had a, had trouble walking the line between being a comedy and being an outright horror movie. I think sometimes it plays it too straight. I've I've seen some people comment that they called it satire, which I don't think it is at all. If it's satire, it's bad satire. And I don't think, I, I think these filmmakers are, are good enough to, you know, if they're going to do satire, they'll do it better than this. I just think it has trouble towing that line. Yeah, Adam Wingard went on the to make uh, The Guest, which I thought was also, it's, it's, it's a borderline horror, but I thought it was, really well done, uh, similar in that it kind of treads familiar ground, but it but it does it in a, in a fascinating and interesting way. And I, I just don't think he was quite there with this one, I, partly because the trailers I loved and they seemed absolutely terrifying to me. And that's a high bar, right? So when I actually sat through the movie, I thought, eh, so not so much. Yeah, well, when I saw this, I it did kind of impact me because it was one of those like sleeper horror movies, and it didn't even get a, an October release here in Australia. I mean, a lot of these horror movies that they push in theaters are out in October because of Halloween, of course. Um, so I don't know. It was just that kind of thing where it's like I wasn't expecting to go and watch a horror movie, but it was out. And then when I did watch it, I thought, yeah, you know, that was pretty good. Yeah, and regardless of uh, what you think of the movie, uh, Aaron is definitely a badass final girl, and she's number six. And our top six, top five favorite final girls from your next, which moves us up to uh, number five and a movie that, I, well, both of us just loved. It's the remake of Evil Dead from 2013, and the final girl is Mia. You are all going to die tonight. I read a passage from that book. <laughs> Yeah, this one re- really reaffirmed my love for the entire Evil Dead franchise. I mean, I appreciate the pop culture aspects of it. Bruce Campbell is great, but that original Evil Dead, I- I'll take this one all day. This is great and, of course, sets all kinds of records for bloodlust. So that's a sacrilege. Um, 
But uh, I agree with you that it's a brilliant film. It's really amazingly well put together. And it and it there are some people who I think bristle at it because it, it just reworks all of the elements that we know from the first two films. But I love that about it. It's like it's like a checklist that you can just tick off. But they, they take every single one of those familiar elements and just sort of turn them sideways. And one of the things I love about the film is the character of Mia because she comes in. She's the damaged one. And uh, she's also the first one to be victimized. And she's also the one who's there without a boyfriend. So she is the one who should succumb to evil first. But she ends up being the survivor, which I think is sort of fascinating. And and I I, I give a lot of credit to an uncredited writing from Diablo Cody, because I feel like her thumbprints are all over the screenplay. And the thing I love about about Mia, one of the things is that so she's damaged coming in, but you feel like that probably is what gave her the strength, the will to actually survive all this and do some of the things that she does. For example, tear off her own arm. <laughs> Yikes. That's quite a scene. So anyway, I just love this character. Yeah, and I have to fully agree with pretty much everything you guys said. I mean, the original Evil Dead, it's a classic. So when you go into a film that is a remake of it and you think, oh, you know, really, can you do that? And these guys do take that and make it their own here. And Mia is a terrific character. You know, she's got all the strength and will that Ash had in the original. But, yeah, she nails it. I mean, it gets rough throughout the film and you know it it even has its own iconic moments like you know ripping off her own arm or when it's just raining blood at the end i mean that's got to be the bloodiest scene in a horror movie ever yeah and i really appreciate the fact that most of the carnage and and the effects weren't cgi i mean they were done just regular visual effects uh director fede alvarez um he's got the one coming up that we're super excited about don't breathe oh yeah Yeah, have you seen those trailers for Don't Breathe, Corey? I haven't, but that sounds fascinating. Oh, it's kind of a take. It's kind of a take on the old uh, Wait Until Dark uh, setup, except the the kids that are going in to rob uh, this house, it's owned by a blind man, uh, just like in, of course, Waiting Till Dark with Audrey Hepburn as the blind woman. But this time, he has secrets of his own, and they wind up not being happy that they broke in. So, yeah, it looks really good. But uh, getting back to Mia, yeah, Jane Levy uh, played her. But originally, you know who was cast in this role originally? was Lily Collins, Phil Collins' daughter. Uh, yeah, she she got the role originally uh, and then had to drop out and was replaced by Jane Levy, who had, I think, only done a lot of TV at the time, but it was a, definitely her first horror movie, if not her first outright movie. And she just she just killed it. She nailed it. Oh, yeah. She's great when she's creepy. And then she's great when she's sympathetic. And then she's great when she's just a badass. I mean, she does a she does a a wonderful job in this movie. Yeah. But is she uh, any Pamela Springsteen? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of musician sisters. (laughs) Keep it in the family. Yeah. And the other cool thing about this movie, you can understand why, but 95 percent of it. Uh, was shot in order because of all the blood splatter. They couldn't go back up and clean it up. We're going to just throw so much blood that we have to shoot it in order. It's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) Mia, the final girl from the remake 2013's Evil Dead, is number five on our favorite final girls, uh, which moves us up to number four, a movie we've talked about a lot, full of girls, but only one final girl, and that is Sarah from The Descent in 2005. There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's
So we're going to just pretend that the sequel never happened to this movie, uh, partly because it was bad and partly because if the sequel happened, then there are two final girls in this one. So we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. Um, Amen and to just that. Stick with Shauna, Shauna McDonald, who uh, I like this character a lot, partly because, again, a bit, a little bit like Mia, she comes in as the damaged one. And uh, and yet, you know, as as they point out in the movie, when she's trapped, when she's trapped in that tunnel, what she's already survived is the worst that will ever happen, which means that she can survive anything. And, and it's you know, it's very telling because, of course, she does. Yeah. You know, again, this is a movie I've only seen once before. And going into it, I, I'm already a little on edge because it is a movie that's very claustrophobic down in this this cave. So, yeah, that kind of gets the hairs on the back of my neck going. But then you throw in cave-dwelling humanoid monsters or whatever they are. Crawlers, they're called. <laughs> Crawlers. Oh, God, it's creepy. And, um, yeah, when <laughs> Sarah's definitely the one that steps up in this. Of course, she is the final girl. But the way that she approaches her defense in this movie, I think is just, oh man, it's so good. Yeah. And of course, throughout there's a, a back and forth with Juno because in most of it, Juno is the, the alpha, so to speak. She's in charge. She has brought this cave and she of course has a little secret about the cave that she's not telling. But, uh, and then slowly by necessity, uh, Sarah has to step up. And as you said, she's always She's already gone through a horrific loss and had to reach down and find some inner strength. Well, now she has to find some physical strength and actually and overcome these fears to fight off these crawlers. So there's, a, there's an interesting dynamic between Sarah and Juno. One of the things I like about the film, cause so it's the, the entire cast is female, but none of them are outright victims, right? None of them are completely one-dimensional characters. And the, the film doesn't really sexualize them at all, which is a really nice change of pace for this genre, if I might say so. Um, and, and they don't make idiotic choices, you know what I mean? And they're not, they're not catty. There is, there's the issue between Juno and Sarah, but even that, I don't think they make Juno to be sort of a one-dimensional villain, even though obviously this is really all her fault. Um, <laughs> but I just like, I, I like the characterizations. I like, I like, I like everything about this movie and I totally agree with you, Corey. I'm claustrophobic and before you even see the first crawler, I was wrecked. I was spent. And which so by the time the movie was over, I just couldn't be happier. It was the best. Oh, I'm freaking out just thinking about it. <laughs> well, you know what? Who's with you is uh, Shauna McDonald, who plays Sarah. She has admitted that she's claustrophobic as well. So it made it very easy for her to act scared and panicky because she kind of was, which is understandable. <laughs> and the, the other cool thing about that movie that we've mentioned before is that Neil Marshall, the director, he he insisted that all of the people playing the crawlers were not just stunt people. They were they were professional actors because he really wanted them to have, you know, to be characters. Well, it, they, I mean, they sure was creepy as hell. So Sarah, the final girl from 2005's The Descent, number four on our list, our uh, top six, top five list of favorite final girls. And there's a couple that didn't make our list that would have made your list, Corey. You've got some honorable mentions. So who are you thinking of? Okay, I have to give a shout out to... Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell in uh, Scream 1 through 4. Technically not a final girl, I guess. She's not the last because Gal Weathers also survives all the Scream movies. Spoiler right. alert. But a strong character. Definitely a film that got me into horror films in the mid-90s. 
while I was growing up. So, yeah, I, I do love Sydney Prescott. I think she's a great character. She is. I agree with you. She she definitely is. But I think yeah, one of the reasons that she didn't make the list is is that is that there are two final girls, actually. So I gave her a pass. Of course, I have to give a shout out to Nancy Heather Langenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, she wasn't making my list. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting. <laughs> It would have been the same reaction for me if you just said PJ Souls. That's right. You know, you seriously mentioned Heather. I just stepped back from the mic. All right, right, here it comes. Heather Langenkamp is my PJ Souls. (laughs) But, you know, uh, definitely an iconic iconic movie and a very, very famous final girl. So well, well, uh, well played on that one. Yes, and definitely another one. Jess. Olivia Hussey from Black Christmas. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I'll give you that one. I do enjoy a, a good themed horror movie, and setting a horror movie at Christmas time is always a bit of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Well, we'll go back to back uh, back a few years for our number three, uh, and that is the classic, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's Sally. This is the movie that is just as real. Just as close. Just as terrifying as being there. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. So I love this movie. I mean, I I worship this movie. I love this movie so much. And I love Sally Hardesty. Um, cause you know, one of the reasons, cause she comes off, she starts off, she's the soft, sweet one, you know, um, and she's not really the completely typical, uh, slasher, um, la- final girl because she's not the most virtuous and she's, you know what I mean? She's, she's got some flaws, but one of the things that I think is great is that, you know, as, as the experience co- progresses, she just loses her damn mind. And, and one of the things that's perfect about that is that who wouldn't? You know, you're watching her and she's screaming and there's a super close up on her eye and she's sort of flailing and running and she's covered in blood and she's not making any sense. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's totally what I would do if I had ever made it out of that dinner table scene. You know, it's um, it's uh, I just love I love her performance because it's there's something very primal about it and and in no way self-conscious because she just looks like hell the whole time. And and she's I just think she's incredibly convincing. Oh, it's the great thing about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that the whole movie just feels gross, <laughs> right? Down, down to the film stock that the film was shot on, and you know, the whole movie just feels grimy and gross and weird. So when she, yeah, she's at the dinner table scene and she's got this haggard old dude sucking on her finger and the way she <laughs> she screams and squirms, it's just like, get me out of this horrific grossness it's such uh, an amazing performance you know so realistic yeah and of course it was uh, marilyn burns who played uh, sally and i think her performance is it's it's kind of uh, head and shoulders above the others uh in the movie and um before uh marilyn passed away and before gunner hansen who played leatherface passed away we got to meet them a few years ago at the horror hound convention which was awesome they couldn't have been nicer yeah, and and if you've ever seen the, I mean, I've got the biggest like goofiest dumbass smile on my face. I was just like squeaking. I was so excited to meet them. They were, and they, but they were, they were so great. Yeah, and uh, you got the picture of uh, Leatherface running, and he wrote on there. He said, "Hope you're next." <laughs> <laughs> that was his uh, autograph. So sadly, they've both passed away since then. But 
you know, I- iconic um, roles in a in a classic movie. In fact, it's uh, number one. Oh no, Entertainment Weekly voted it the second scariest movie ever made be- behind The Exorcist, and I think uh, Slant Magazine, which is hates everything, <laughs> voted it number one on their greatest horror movies of all time. So. Yeah, definitely up there near the top. But a great a great final girl, not only because of the performance, but the way, like you said, the way the character just goes apeshit. Yeah, it was just, and she just really ran with it. I mean, she really, she threw herself into that, that performance in a way that's just really admirable. Yeah, well, not to mention the last shot of the movie, too, when she's getting away in that pickup truck, and she has just lost it. Yeah, it's, it's a great shot, because it's not like it's relief on her face. It's not. It's just mania. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that that totally works because of the just the craziness that went on in there. I mean, think about what's going on with that family and the bones and all that crazy shit. I mean, that's you would be just totally, totally in another uh, dimension, probably. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And she doesn't even know that her best friend got hung on a hook. She has no idea. Never hang me on a hook. <laughs> I'll give you a dollar if you know what that reference, movie reference is from, Corey. Um, I guess I'm losing a little cred here. It's not a horror movie. It's a bad comedy from, was it the 80s? Yeah, yeah. Johnny Dangerously, yeah, starring Joe Piscopo. Joe Piscopo so everybody's going, why are you talking about <laughs> Joe Piscopo? It's an excellent question, everyone. <laughs> when we should be talking about Sally and uh, Marilyn Burns, uh, number three on our uh, final girl countdown from 1974's classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Getting up into the uh, into the upper reaches of the list, and that takes us to number two, and it is from 1978's original Halloween, the unfortunately named Laurie Strode. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Okay, so when I saw the list and I saw Laurie Strode at number two, I was like, what are you, crazy? Laurie has to be number one. But then I saw you number one. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But Laurie Strode, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, just an iconic performance and an iconic final girl. You know, she's the one who survives and she's the one that is referenced in so many other movies when it comes to, you know, this style of horror, she is the penultimate final girl. And, uh, you know, as much as I love scream, I love Halloween. I mean, this movie is, it's almost perfect for a horror film. Yeah. I, I really think she probably is the, maybe for a lot of people, the first, name that comes to mind when you think of a final girl. Boom, it's just, it is. It's just Halloween and Laurie Strode, who, by the way, uh, we, we joke about that name, but apparently screenwriter and producer Deborah Hill has said that she was named after one of John Carpenter's old girlfriends <laughs> so, <laughs> of Laurie Strode. Not, a, not a, a pretty name, but, you know, it works. But she's, you're right, she's such a great final girl uh, in, a, in one of the most, you know, iconic, as you said, uh, horror movies. And the one that really re- you know, re-energized the genre when it came out in the late 70s. Yeah, I think iconic is the best word for it because uh, in the same way that Halloween, it became the pattern for the slasher. It redefined the slasher and became the template that slashers followed after that. And But in the same way, Laurie Strode became the template for the final girl. So she sort of distilled 
that character, everything that had come in that genre before and just turned it into what unfortunately just sort of became formulaic. But when when Jamie Lee Curtis did it, you know, uh, even even sort of stupid decisions that Laurie Strode made, they don't seem stupid because Jamie Lee Curtis can't seem stupid. She always she's just graceful and intelligent and and she brings sort of a class about her to a genre that's not known for being particularly classy. She just she just does, you know, it's like she's the virtuous one, but she doesn't seem judgy. You know, she's the smart one, but she doesn't hate anybody and nobody hates her. She just does an amazingly good job at turning this usually a one-dimensional character into an actual flesh and blood character that can carry additional films. All jokes aside about, uh, you know, the name Laurie Strode, it does make her the plain Jane you know, that's what she is. She's the good girl who babysits on Halloween instead of screwing around with her boyfriend. She's got that bob haircut. She's so prissy and neat. But by the end, she has to step up and she is the one who survives the wrath of Michael Myers. So it's the progression of, you know, a young, innocent girl into strong woman who needs to fight and protect the children under her care. It's just, it's such an amazing progression for a character in a film. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, John Carpenter and again, the screenwriter, Deborah Hill have said many times that they didn't mean to set this template for all teens that have sex end up dying. They just used it. They said they used it as a, a way to make them preoccupied that they're just concerned with getting laid and then they are not thinking about that there might be a killer on the loose but then it became as you said and rightly so that became a very formula oh they just had sex they're going to die but they say originally that was not in the planet but but it set in motion movies that copied that formula well i mean even all of the halloween movies to come that it just it you know it became a formula that they followed as well so i don't sure i 100 percent buy that but but that's okay you know it's in a way, it was kind of uh, kind of a, a death to originality in this particular genre. But the, I don't want to blame John Carpenter on that. That's what happens when a horror movie does so well. Exactly. It becomes a film that other horror movies copy. Yeah, and will be psychoanalyzed for decades, as it has been already. <laughs> the classic uh, Halloween. I remember seeing this in the theater in 1978. Yeah, and everybody was just at the very end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> when he's gone from the uh, from the grass there where he fell, everybody just freaked out, and it was just just awesome. So Laurie Strode, number two on our favorite final girls list, and uh, number one, the one that made Corey do a double take and say, "Oh yeah, I guess, I guess that one deserves to be number one." Is who else? Ellen Ripley from Alien. Final report of the commercial starship Nostromo. Third officer reporting. The other members of the crew, Kane, Lambert, Parker, Brett, Ash, and Captain Dallas are dead. Cargo and ship destroyed. I should reach the frontier in about six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo. Signing off. Yeah, so she signs off as the last surviving member of the Nostromo. And then, of course, there are many other chapters and even a new one yet to come. I guess the next one is uh, Alien Covenant, which is coming out, if not later this year, next year. But regardless, 
the original, so great, and Ellen Ripley just kicks all manner of ass. She does. She's the best. And she's the best Final Girl because she she changed what Final Girls are, right? Because in horror films up until the 1979, they were weak and pretty, and they, they kind of relied on the villain's good nature. They would please, you know what I mean? And she was having none of that. She's also the smartest member on this team, right? She was the only one who, who was willing to follow the chain of command. She was the only one who really thought that quarantine made good sense when somebody has an alien sucker on their face. You know, I mean, she just was the she was the smartest person in there. And she was also the first person to realize that Ash was not entirely right. I don't think she knew that he was a droid, but I mean, she knew that he wasn't on the up and up. I mean, she was she was smart and tough and, you know, she just did. She she changed our what we perceive of as acceptable in a final girl like they have to fight back now and and they can't just make stupid decisions. And and thank God that she did. Oh, yeah. It, it's funny because you were saying with Laurie Strode there, number two, that Laurie, sure, she made her fair share of stupid decisions, but you kind of go with it. Ellen Ripley is not that at all. She constantly makes excellent decisions, but it's the people around her who just aren't listening to her and thinking, OK, maybe there is actually more to this than what we're saying. She's just flabbergasted that everybody else around her is acting this way. Yeah, and of course it was the springboard for a, a long and illustrious career for Sigourney Weaver. And uh, Ridley Scott has said that the casting came down to Sigourney Weaver and somebody named Meryl Streep uh, <laughs> in this role. And uh, she, and then Ridley Scott, I guess, uh, invited several women from his production office to watch various screen tests to get a, a female perspective. And apparently they were unanimous about Sigourney Weaver, the unknown, getting the part, and the rest, as they say, is history. Well, you know, she's like 5'11", so first of all, it's it's fairly believable. She's she's She looks like she could kick somebody's ass, but also, hooray for tall girls! <laughs> well, you're right about, not only is the performance great, but you're so right about, about the character, because, uh, you know, it's been said before that the character was originally written as a man, but that just shows you how it doesn't matter. She made that character her own, and she made it a new kind of of hero, of heroine, because you're right. She's the smart one. She makes the if the, the, the good decisions. If they would have listened to her in the first place, it'd be okay. One of the reasons, actually, that I... I mean, I, I prefer the originals to the sequel, although Alien 2 is great. Aliens. Aliens is great. But Aliens is more of an action film, as I've said before. But the other thing, for me, that weakens the character of Ripley in Aliens is that you can chalk up all of her heroism to a maternal instinct. Right. She does all those things because of Newt. She wants to save Newt. Um, which, and I'm not I'm not disregarding maternal instinct. Obviously, I think it's very important. But one of the things that makes her her character an alien stronger is it's simply a survival instinct. She's not it's not like she's allowed to be a badass because she's trying to save her her quote sort of children. She just is a badass. And I think that's awesome. True. And I'll give you that. But there's also that nice contrast between the maternal instinct of the queen alien in Aliens as well. So that that works. I mean, I get your point, but at least it does serve a little bit to the narrative in other ways as well. Yeah, and actually, yeah, the Queen Alien is really, really awesome. (laughs) It's the great thing, actually, or one of the many great things about Alien, is that the whole movie, Ripley wears this heavy jumpsuit 
the whole time. And yeah, she's in a crew where it's pretty much all men. There's only one other woman there. And the other woman is, you know, your prototypical female character freaking out. I can't do this. And that's all ultimately going to lead to her demise. The screechy Veronica Cartwright. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So it goes through and the aliens just taken out all these men, you know, all these all these people are going. They're they're being confronted with the alien and they're being taken out. And it's Ripley who steps up and fights the thing, you know, and then by the end, when she thinks she's gotten away, but there it is in her escape shuttle, she's half naked at the time as well so she's so vulnerable yet she still makes good choices to get away it's she's such a strong character it's amazing yeah and that is why she is on top of the countdown our top six top five ellen ripley our favorite final girl uh from alien and uh give us the feedback if you if you agree with uh maybe you think some of Corey's uh choices should have been in our countdown let us know we love to keep the conversation rolling uh on twitter that's always the best way we're at mad wolf M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And, uh, Corey, what's your Twitter? Well, you can catch me on the award-nominated TripleCast. <laughs> <laughs> so you can follow us at TripleCastGSM, or you can follow me directly if you want to. I'm at Corey Metcalf yeah. on the Twitter. Corey, thank you so much. That's our top six, top five final girls. Give us your feedback. And until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. He is Corey Metcalf, and he is going to say... Stay frightful, my friends. Stay frightful, my friends.